So I have some news. You have some news? Very, very exciting news. What is the news? Hammerstone has been accepted into Tiny Seeds Fall Batch. <gasps> yes. Oh my gosh. How long have you been waiting to say that? Oh man. I mean, <laughs> my whole life? Or you mean since I found out and I wanted to tell you? Yeah, we, um, we've only known for about a week. They just announced it. So it has been a whirlwind of excitement. But I imagine you are now like go mode, right? Oh, like yeah. There's a, a fair amount of kind of like legally stuff and like how does this even work stuff we're figuring out. So like the first week it was just figuring that out. But yeah, I mean, this is an this is going to change everything. I mean, this is this is going to change everything. I, I, mean, I feel like I have to say like this has kind of been like your dream, like to be able to work full-time on a software business like you fully get to like like it's like no more consulting now right like that's the goal yep. yeah yeah that's it full-time gonna be building a business it's what I get to do now so wh where's your head at now on like oh I'm so excited like I have I, I just cannot wait I mean I'm already started but I'm so excited that's where my head's at no but I mean in terms of like structuring your thing like like what are you starting with first like ah. how are you like now that you have this money like what's what the next are you gonna step? do yeah yeah <laughs> that's fair you know like <laughs> and and that's fair because a lot of people say we don't take this investment for the money we take it for all of the other benefits I think the thing with Hammerstone now is this really frees me up from consulting like this yeah. is it so the number one thing to do here for me, the very first step is figure out how I can cut back on the consulting. And I know I have said that on this podcast before, but I was hesitant to do it because it's my source of income and livelihood. So now I have that as an investment. So there is nothing tying me to the consulting anymore other than my obligations. And so I have to figure out. So step one, so we took the money. We're super excited. Cannot wait. Um, to get started, step one, no more consulting. So I feel like now you have the funding, you guys have sold it a little bit. What's the go-to market? Yes. Like? Okay. So this is what I'm super excited to talk about. Okay. So step one for me is I have to figure out how to do less consulting and our product is, I mean, I consult in conjunction with our product. So that's not a cut and dry easy solution. That's a little bit messy and that's my number one priority. And hope to solve that problem pretty quickly with hoping to find some help in that arena. Something we have, Aaron and I have been talking about for a while is launching Laravel Nova. So that's one thing. And I mean, this is a joke, but also true. Literally the first thing I'm gonna do is raise the price. <laughs> like people laugh about that, but it's true. We're gonna, we spent a lot of time this week deep diving on pricing structures and how we want to price this product and how do you price a product that is a library but also requires a fair amount of support. I don't know if support's even the right word. Onboarding is the term we're using. So you can't really, I mean a couple people have, but generally speaking you're gonna find the most success with the product if I onboard you personally. So we're talking about changing the whole pricing structure Right now it's, an it's a $1,000 product. So double or triple that right out of the gate. And then 
only sell it with an onboarding package. So basically, like, customer success is really the key. And I guess you really haven't, well, you've been basically doing that for free with your beta customers. That's correct. And you need to charge for that, like, as, like, an onboarding package, basically. I think, yes, absolutely. I think the problem I'm running into is I am so excited and I want this product to be amazing, of course, and I want my customers to be so happy, but I have made myself a little bit too available. And so I can't get any work done when I get, you know, Slack messages every two hours about something. Because it's like having a client. Oh yeah. But Only I'm not, not getting, getting paid. paid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I am, so hopefully it's a win-win, right? Like I'm super grateful to my early customers for taking a chance on us and for helping me make this product better, but I'm not gonna take on any more customers at this price point. It's just not worth it for me to take on more customers at this price point. I have enough information right now to know, I think the next steps for the product based on the five people I've onboarded. And I'm finding I get frustrated because I'm doing all of this unpaid work, which is fine, but I don't want to, continue doing the unpaid work on the same problems. Like I've talked to enough people to know what some of the early problems are. We're going to fix those early problems. So if you really want refine, like it's now going to be, I don't know, $8,000, 6,000. I don't know. We don't know the exact number. Right. Like some amount of like a, like a license fee and then an onboarding yes. package. And then also a support. I'm not sure. Like, I mean, this okay. is all like, we literally were just brainstorming this yesterday. Our kind of gut move right now is going to be something like $2,500 for the product, 5k for the onboarding, three to 5k for a support contract as well. So like, it sounds like that onboarding package, like, like you're like, is it right to say you're not going to sell it the license without the onboarding, at least right. for like the foreseeable future. That's what I think. So my thought is I'm going to make it clear too. Like you have to buy them together. You don't have to buy support maybe, but you have to buy the package and the onboarding together. And it's not available till January because I have my hands full getting what we need to get done done. So the increase in pricing is really to slow the demand. And I want to slow the demand for a couple reasons. One, I want the right type of customer. I do not begrudge anyone who tells me $1,000 is too expensive. Everyone has a different business. Everyone has a different business model. However, this is a product that's going to be at a much higher price point. Our customers are going to be businesses who are making, I don't know, at least half a million dollars a year, I'm thinking. I mean, I'm just more spitballing than that, more than that. Yeah. 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 Like, like we're targeting businesses who are making over a million ARR. And so I think as indie hackers, we kind of get in this trap where we all start selling things to each other, mm. which is great, but that's not what I'm learning. And I, again, if you bought Refine and you're an indie hacker, I love you. Thank you. I cannot thank you enough. But that's not going to be our market. I think even just talking to the, you know, we haven't even gotten on like a mentorship call with Tiny Seed. We had one 30 minute call, but even that like <laughs> 30 minute call, I'm like, okay, they're right. They're like, yeah, this is a, this is, this product is not really positioned the way you want it to be positioned. And so. So you said raising prices to slow demand. You're sounding a little bit like a federal reserve chairman over there. Um, like, do you have like a lot of inbound interest that you haven't been able to serve? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because, like, I feel like sometimes we talk and you're, like, it's, felt, it's been, like, you've had weeks where it's, like, you know, it kind of feels kind of slow or, like, you know, I sold one license this week. Like, so I guess, I, but I'm kind of surprised by that. 
So I think the conflict is twofold. One, you're going to hate me. I've actually, <laughs> like, I'm not going to I don't even want to say this on the podcast, but I've actually told people not to buy it. I'm like, just don't buy you it. You have. Like, I have. Because it's so, because the onboarding is so painful right now. And it's painful not because of anyone else's fault, because the product is, is like beta. But because the onboarding is painful, if you buy Refine at $1,000, like, I cannot support you in the way you need to be supported. And that makes me feel crappy. I don't want you to buy it and be like, oh, this thing kind of sucks. Or I can't figure out how to use this and Colleen's not available to tell me. Or the documentation is lacking. Like we have a lot of holes and we know that and we're working on fixing them. So that's why, because I don't really want these people to buy it at $1,000. Like I just don't have the bandwidth to support them properly. So like first, I mean, I feel like that feeling of like, this isn't good enough for people to buy it. And so you tell them not to, like, I actually, it seems like there's a really common feeling. Like I'm thinking back to the conversation I had with Vic in June about like letting people buy his thing and he like wouldn't let them let people pay him for it. So I feel like that's a common feeling, but I guess my next thought on this is like, as we've talked about this and talked about various like calls you've had and stuff, the people who need refine, like genuinely need it, they've got like a burning, like, like this is like a mission critical problem for them. Like to the point where like you have this like client that you've been like working on, like integrating it with, right? Because they yeah. need it so much versus they need it more than a thousand dollars. And it's almost like too cheap to them, like that it could solve this major problem that they have at that price point and it sounds like the challenges that they're having are so unique to them that there does need to be that baked in customer success element to get it working in the way that they need it to like this is enough of a problem that they want to pay more to have it fixed does that make sense like yeah, yeah. i think i actually think the a thousand dollar price point makes people think it's not valuable it's, like, it doesn't seem like it can do what you're yeah, saying. They're it like, does. like, it doesn't seem believable. Yeah. They're like, you're going to yeah. replace a developer for three months? Like, you wouldn't charge $1,000. That must not be the product I need. Right. And so raising the price actually makes them realize that, like, no, this, this is an incredibly valuable product. So, okay. So, the like, the short term, well, you said January. Because is there is there, like, a timeline on, like, when your first cohort of five ends? Is that December? I mean, it, I, I say like, December, but that's arbitrary. Right now, we are still okay. very much working with these customers and cycling through, and they'll bring something up, and we're trying to stay on top of that. And then our biggest customer, you know, the one funding the development, has lots and lots and lots of really kind of niche requests that we're trying to keep up with. So the product is going to be amazing, but I'm, like, perfectly honest with you. Like, the product is not amazing yet. <laughs> But it doesn't have to be amazing in order for it to be a significant improvement over what people have right now. That's true. Like it doesn't, like I think the, I don't want to say like critique, but like I think something where like you guys so far have struggled a little bit is you kind of overbuilt and you felt like you oh, needed yeah. it for like every framework and you need a front end and like all of this stuff. And it's been I mean, it's been an active project for like two years now, right? So like, I think that's okay if you're selling it when it's not amazing because it doesn't have to be amazing in order to alleviate 
a ton of pain for your customers. And I agree. And I'll sell it to these guys who asked me for $8,000. I just won't sell it to them for $1,000. It's Be kind of my point. Because they need more help than $1,000. Right. Like, right. and it just doesn't seem... Now... It's not economically viable for you at 1000 and also doesn't seem like they're going to get the amount of help that, like, they need for $1,000. Which right. is weird. So it actually, it's better... For everybody, customers included, if you charge them more. Yes, that's what I'm finding. And they get more out of it. A hundred percent. Like, that's what I'm finding. That is a win-win for everyone. And so when I say I'm telling people not to buy it, what I really mean is I'm telling people not to buy it at $1,000 because I can't, it, it, it's like, I can't adequately support them at that price point. And if they're not adequately supported at this part of where the product is, like, they're not going to have success. And so I would hate for people to buy it and then be like, oh, this isn't really what we need, but it's just $1,000, whatever. I'll just like not worry about it. Like that's not the result I want. I want people to buy it and love it. And I feel like there's kind of a distinction here that we've sort of mentioned, but not explicitly, which is like the difference between customer success and customer support. Oh yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah. Because like, I feel like what you're talking about is like, like customer success is getting them onboarded like first 30 days, helping them implement and be successful with it, which feels similar, but is very different than like, Hey, like, you know, how do I work with the API key? Like, or like, it's not, you know, working for this reason, like, like, or how do I update my billing information? Like those are very different kinds of questions than like basically proving to the customer that this is a viable solution for them. And like getting them to that point where they start seeing the value. Is like different than support. Is that how you think about it? Or like, is it different? I'm yeah. struggling with understanding like this in my context. So yeah, I mean, I guess for you, it's, I guess, I guess for you, like customer success is that key thing. And I, I like, I almost wonder like, is it viable? Like you said, you're getting, you're getting pinged on Slack all the time. You can't get work done. Like how are you going to structure this customer success, like this onboarding package ah, basically? Yes. Got it. So that it ends up getting them to that point of realizing the value, you know, within, you know, 30 days, 60 days, whatever that is. Like it's time boxed. Cause like this is enough for like you to hire yourself full time, but like it's not enough to go out and hire a customer success person. Like, so I'm just wondering how you're going to make that work. So here's how I think this is going to go down. And it's early days. But, okay, so we changed the pricing structure completely, as I said. What, what is happening now is every time, my, like I have this one customer and he is so disciplined, like he's so dedicated. even And he, he like put like a week of work into Refine to customize it just the way he wanted. And it was still worth it to him because, as to your point, because of the value of the product. So I think... Every time I onboard a new customer and they hit a pain point, we're learning, we're learning. We don't have any documentation right now. I mean, we have a little bit. We have very little documentation right now. So every time something happens, I'm like, oh, that's this edge case, but it's not really an edge case because other people are gonna run into this, this particular case. Add that to the docs, add that to the docs. There's so much work that needs to be done that I think we're going to converge to customer success being less and less of a like process. So this isn't like a forever thing that it's sold license plus onboarding. Like this is, I mean, this is like for now and like maybe in the future there's like I... 
some lesser amount of it? I don't know. Or, okay. I think I think it might be a forever thing. It's just going to get easier for me. Okay. And I guess, like, historically, I'm, I'm kind of thinking back to when you were writing the Simple File Upload docs. Like, I feel like that, like, you kind of dragged your feet on that a little bit. Like, writing documentation is not your favorite thing. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because I don't dislike writing documentation, but I think it's very common as a developer. It, and, you know, it's funny because that's the advice I give to a friend of mine who has a business he's trying to get off the ground. I'm like, no one can figure out how to use your thing. Like, you've got to write documentation. However, when it comes to your own stuff, <laughs> it's a little bit harder. I think because there are so many pain points in the product, like, for example, I can give you a really concrete example. One of the requests we get is, how can I customize the front end? No one is going to pay $10,000 for a product that they cannot customize the front end to match their application. Our styles are hard coded into our view partials. So in order to allow, just even in a baby step, allow someone to customize the front end, I need to separate our styles from the style sheet. And that involves someone going into our 10 partials with who knows how many lines of code pulling out all of the Tailwind styles and putting them into their own style sheet so that an end user could just override the style sheet instead of having to override all the views. So this is like an extremely tangible, time-consuming problem. Should I do that or should I write documentation? I mean, you kind of need to do both. Well, yeah, that's now I've hired more yeah, people and yeah, we're doing both. Yeah. But, but I, what I'm finding is I keep running into these things. It's almost like there's just a lot of things like that. And of course you can use a product like that, but you're not going to show your users the product until it matches your UI. And so absolutely hundred percent need to do both. It just seems like it's hard to prioritize that. And it's, there's one of me. And, and again, I just, yeah. I have someone working on this now and hopefully he'll have it done, you know, in a couple of weeks. But, but there's a lot of stuff like that. And now I'm managing three people and I'm the, the, I'm the product architect. So there's just a lot of stuff. So, I mean, it seems like you need a little bit more structure and process and like, and, and you mentioned that it's stressful when like getting pinged on Slack and yet you're managing three people now. And can I give you some advice? Like what I would be yeah, thinking of course. about? Like, so I feel like you getting pinged with success support issues on Slack, that's not working. Stuff is going to fall through the cracks of that. Like that also gets stressful because you never know. Like there's like this immediate reply expectation of Slack, right? Yes. So I think even with this cohort, like that stuff needs to be in a ticketing system of some sort. Like whether, like doesn't need to be intercom at this point, but like, even if it's just like they they open a GitHub issue instead, just for your own triaging, that it needs to be a ticket somewhere so that like you and Aaron can look at like everything going on. And I think this is also kind of important where you're not both like working full time or in the same place, right? So you can like see the work that's going on because you could spend your whole day replying to stuff on Slack and then it like what like what do you have to show for that, right? But I think, you know, something like GitHub, that basically just sort of, you have like receipts, right? Um, but also, I think something we have done with Geocodio is a ticket doesn't get closed until we've prevented it happening in the future. So this might be documentation, this might be like actually fixing the bug, 
whatever that is, like, it doesn't get closed until, did we put up a guide for it? Did we, like, do the documentation for it? Like, have we addressed this on the website somewhere so that we're preventing that question from recurring another time, which I think for us as a small team is really, really important because we can't just, like, throw bodies at a problem and have an army of customer support people, like, replying to the same questions all the time. Like, also, I mean, just... I imagine working as a customer support person on a team like that, like is incredibly like demotivating, right? So it's not done until the documentation that prevents it from coming up again or the feature or like whatever that is, like until that's done. But I think if you're managing three people, you've got all this stuff going on. Like you, like, like, are you using any sort of like project management or so it's so funny it's right so now? funny you said that because literally last week i was like this is not working so now when people slack message me i point them to a github project and i said okay Can please open an issue and get okay project? okay so you don't yeah i i should have asked you like no no are you are you doing anything but even instead with that, i just jumped to giving advice so which I, is no, no. terrible i still terrible. want to talk about this <laughs> I think that's phenomenal advice because of the slack. Because you already did Because I already did it. So yes, go team. <laughs> Great minds, babe. Great minds. So it's actually still kind of annoying and I'm still kind of sorting it out because here's what I've done. So I have the client, which has a GitHub project to manage stuff that is a problem for them. Okay. Because I get pinged by the, like all, I mean, there's 50 engineers at the client and a lot of them are using filters. So that was a huge problem. So I've now started to ask them to open GitHub issues. I have my customers. And I asked them to open GitHub issues in the Refine Rails repository. Then, but the problem is, then I, I don't know if it's a problem or not yet. I'm just rolling this out. I just started last week. And I have a Notion document for my contractors. And the reason these things are separate is because the Notion document is kind of like the, the source of truth. Because I can't let the client, if we talk, I'm going to say client to mean the client funding and customers to mean people who bought refine. Okay. So I can't let, so we have the client, 50 engineers. I'm getting pinged all the time. I point them to a GitHub project in their repo, but a lot of those issues I need to expose to my contractors, but I can't expose those issues to my customers right? because those are, you know, proprietary stuff. So then I have a notion document. I, I mean, it's okay. I think, but it does feel like I'm like, Oh, I got to check the notion document. I have to make sure the GitHub issues are properly linked to the Notion document so everyone knows what they need to do. So I haven't nailed it, is what I'm saying. Like, it's better. But you better. have something. Yeah, I do Like, you're I, not, because, like, yeah. what I was picturing is, like, you're just getting pinged on Slack all the time. Like, yeah, maybe the client has some sort of system they're using. But, like, from the way you were describing everything, it sounded very disjointed, but it sounds like you're yeah, I do have actively something. managing Yeah, and, that. again, yeah. I just rolled that out. I was just YOLOing it, and that was not working. <laughs> so I thought it would be fine. It was not fine. So I did just roll that out last last week. So hopefully that will help kind of provide some structure. And like I have really, now that I have, I feel like this money too is going to enable me to really be able to focus more on the important things. And that's building the business and that's product architecture. But I have to get out of this constant, like people are always asking me for things. So I have to get out of the constant slacking and the constant, can you do a quick meeting? Can you do a quick meeting? Like, I used to be really, really good at that. Like one of my strengths is I am exceptional at focus. Like I can just focus. I can just turn it on. Not when I'm getting slacked every hour. You know what I mean? So that is a problem I'm trying to solve. So, all right. So the plan, if I can summarize yeah. this. So 
through the end of December, you're working with your cohort clients. Correct. The price goes up now. Yes. Right? Yes. You mentioned you don't want to sell it to people like right now, but like I'm I'm wondering what your how long your sales cycle has been because it sounds like cuz like if somebody buys it now, like how long like how how long has it been taking from like when time somebody reaches out to when they actually like pay you? It's so variable. Out of the 5 one Twitter DM me and I didn't get back to him in like 2 hours, so he just bought it. The other guy <laughs> The other guy just bought it and then told me and then, uh, actually, you know what? All the Rails customers just bought it. The Rails customers okay, must so love it. Okay, so the sales it. cycle is actually it's short. very, very yeah, short. Okay. You're right. The sales so, cycle is pretty short, actually. Well, I feel like if... I think it's important that you get to the point where you are selling it at an economically viable price point. Yeah. I know you've got a lot going on. I don't feel like you should push that off. Like, so okay. if you can find some way to kind of get the house in order in terms of your like time and people customer management like like that slack problem and even if that's just like setting expectations about like hey guys sorry like we're heads down on the product now which is like good news for them yeah and just be like i'm gonna hold office hours like every day from like four to five or like whatever that is and so that like and then when it's not those office hours i'm not available like Slack is like closed. closed. Like you're logged out. I like love it that is idea like you are so not much. getting notifications on your phone and like it's just it's not a problem. Or you can simply tell them, like, you can drop messages in here, but I'm only gonna reply during this one hour block. And then I can be really focused on you and your problems, and the rest of the time I can be like 10xing my time and making this product better so that you don't have as many of those questions in the future. I love that. But idea. then you you need to have some time to like you need to stop not letting people buy it. No, wait, so, you need to like, st- Oh, I agree. So here So like you you cuz you said you're going to wait till January and like I I you disagree I, I with push, that. I push I push Okay, back tell on me. That. Yeah. So you think I should raise the price and just let people yeah. buy it and I'll sort it out. Yeah, and okay. I think if you sort out this like it sounds like this the, you know, the client and the notion thing is like a a separate thing, but you've at least got kind of a process there. At I least do. at least you've got people putting and like customers putting stuff in GitHub, but like you gotta get rid of this Slack problem. And that is a relatively I I, I think people would understand. Oh, I do too. Like, okay, so like yeah. these people my first group of customers is amazing. Like they're Yeah, amazing I don't humans. think they, they they're not trying no to do this, but like if one person is like, Oh, I just sent her like one thing you know, once a day, but then if five people do that, yeah, it's like that, like, or like you like, ha- if they want to like grab a quick meeting, like you have a Calendly for them Yeah, that like has like one hour a day that's available. And maybe it's like different, you know, cause I don't know what time zones they are or whatever, yeah. but like, you know, so you've, you, you have time boxed it. You've set boundaries on your time so that you can be heads down and feeling like you're making progress. It's funny you bring this up. I was reading Sahil Bloom's newsletter. Do you get his newsletter? No. Like, the only me. newsletter I read is like money stuff. Uh, that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> and Ben Kelly. I love his newsletter. Uh, Alaska Ben. Oh, from Founders Alaska Summit. Ben. Yeah, who bootstrapped like freaking like spaceship company. I know. No, it's so yeah. impressive. Yeah. <laughs> but he was talking about this in his last newsletter about like, attention and how all these things it was based on Cal Newport's book deep work which I haven't read 
But I think the takeaway is batch your notifications because you don't need yes. to check in your emails every 30 minutes. Right. It's not that exactly. important. Yeah. And I need to do that. I'm really bad about that with Slack because the client, I want to be available to our client and our customers. Um, but I think setting expectations is the key. I love it. I'm going to try it. Cool. So charge more, be available less. Love it. All right. Sounds like a plan. High five. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I'll talk to you next week. All right. Let me thank all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. You can become a supporter for $100 a year at softwaresocial.dev supporters. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gamez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomstills, Anna Mast of Subscribe Sense, Jeff Roberts from Outseta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh, the annoyingly pragmatic founder, Ben from Consent Kit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Tosslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Masalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Opalnet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups. Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, the community for women, non-binary, and trans Laravel developers, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Mulnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit. Thank you, everyone. Huge thanks to all of our listeners who've become software socialites and support our show. Chris from Chipper CI, the daringly handsome Kevin Griffin, and Mike from Gently Used Domains, who has a nice personality, Dave from Recut, Max of Online or Not, Stefan from Talk to Stefan, Brendan Andrade of Brightbits, Team Tuple, Alex Hillman from the Tiny MBA, Rami from Hovercode and Rocket Gems, Jane and Benedict from UserList, Kendall Morgan, Ruben Gomez of Signwell, Corey Haynes of Swipewell, Mike Wade of Crowd Sentry, Nate Ritter of Roomsteals, Anna Mast of SubscribeSense, Jeff Roberts from Outseta, Justin Jackson, MegaMaker, Jack Ellis and Paul Jarvis from Fathom Analytics, Matthew from Appointment Reminder, Andrew Culver at Bullet Train, John Coster, Alex of Corso Systems, Richard from Stunning, Josh the Annoyingly Pragmatic Founder, Ben from ConsentKit, John from Credo and Editor Ninja, Cam Sloan, Michael Copper of Nusi Proposals, Chris from URL Box, Callie of Toslet, Greg Park from Trait Lab, Adam from Rails Autoscale, Lana and Alex from Recapsi, Joe Mazzalotti of RailsDevs.com, Proud Mama from Applenet LLC, Anna from Cradle, Monsef from Ruby on Mac, Steve of Be Inclusive, Simon Bennett of Snapshooter Backups, Josh Smith of Keyhero.io, Jesper Christensen of Form Backend, 
Matthew of Works Cited, Chris of JetBoost.io, Daryl Shannon of Docomatic, Larabels, a community for Larabelle developers underrepresented due to their gender, Brendan from Feederloop, Pascal from Sharpen.page, Lynn Romick from Convini, Arvid Call, James Sowers from Castaway.fm, Jessica Malnick, Damian Moore of Audio Audit Podcast Checker, Eldon from Nodal Studios, Mitchell Davis from RecruitKit.